This is the third week of focus. We've done um, two so far, which makes this the third week. I'd see to let you know right up front, total disclaimer, this is the hardest one for me. This, has been, this one's been tough. I think it might be tough for you um, because I think of all four of the weeks, this is the most anti-American. Is that okay? I mean, I love America, but this is the most anti, the way we're raised in America, right? Our mindset, just it's hard to kind of formulate Always the words, I hope I do a decent job, we'll see. Um, let's get started like this. If I say the term life hack, how many of you know what a life hack is? How many of you have no idea what a life hack is? You're like, is that when you start hacking stuff up, right? Is the life hack like this big giant puddle on the floor of nasty goo that came out? No. Um, here's the term, official definition of a life hack is this. A life hack is a strategy or a technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more efficient way. Who would like to be more efficient? Let me get an amen. amen. Yes, brother. <laughs> Typically, life hacks um, are so simple. Like when you see them, you're like, why didn't I think of that, right? So I brought a couple. I knew some of you wouldn't know what a life hack was. So I brought a couple, just a few life hacks. We'll just kind of walk, walk through them slowly and I'll read them to you. This one says, Place a rubber band around an open paint can to wipe your brush on and keep paint off the side of the can. That's a life hack because if, how many of you have ever painted, right? And so you always, like, you dip the brush, you do the whole thing, and you wipe it, and then eventually you got it all coming down the side of the can. You don't even know what kind of paint you have anymore, what color it is. You can't match it. There's a life hack. Now, how many runners do we have? Okay, you ever feel like you're dying when you run? Here's the runner life hack. Exhale when your left foot hits the ground to avoid cramps while running. This is a life hack. A life hack is when like, you take a routine that you do over and over and over again, and somebody says, hey, we um, can make that better, and they give you this. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. I'll try Some of you, you run, you're like, mental note, I'm trying that next time. Okay, a couple more. Um, anybody looking to meet somebody? This is a relationship life hack. If you think someone is giving you a fake number, read it back incorrectly to see if they'll care to correct you. <laughs> just, just something to try, Right? They give, you a, they give you a number. You just like, let me make sure I got that right. You gave me um, area code 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 0. If they don't correct you, they don't even care about you. Um, parents, if your kids are falling out of the bed, one fitted sheet, one pool noodle, problem solved. This is a life hack. <laughs> I just blew your mind. You're like, I'm a grown man and I'm going to get a pool noodle, Right? This is how that works. So um, that's an example of a life hack, okay? Now, just to kind of help you again, kind of wrap your brain around this, we're, we're trying to go somewhere today. I've also brought some life hacks that you should not try. Here's, here's one. Um, <laughs> before, I, before I replace my car with a newer car, that might have been me, actually. That, that's not a good idea. That's a little hard to see, but um, yeah, that's not a good plan either, right? Got a few more. Use the rubber band to make your phone hands-free. You, you could try that, but I wouldn't. This says sign all your blank checks now to save time writing future checks. I'm recommending no. Shoot yourself with smaller caliber bullets to build up an immunity to larger bullets. No, we don't want to try that. Avoid wasting time brushing your teeth by simply adding toothpaste to your food. In... <laughs> See, it's good to want to save time. 
It's bad to resort to that, right? This is a life fact you don't want to try. This is my favorite one. If you can't find a bookmark, just use ketchup instead. What? How many of you are just, you're so mad at me, I just, I just encourage people to ruin a book, right? Is that the last one I think we hope? Yes? That's it. Um, life hacks. So the reason we love life hacks is because they're born out of routine. They're born out of routine. Uh, no, don't, we don't, we don't do that yet. You can wait on that one. They're born out of routine. So here's the thing. Someone has taken something that people do over and over and over and over again. And because they do it over and over and over again, they say, there's got to be a better way. And they come up with it. Like, hey, rubber band on a paint can. Let's give it a shot, right? People try it. Pool noodle in your bed tonight. Awesome. People are going to give it a shot. So it's things that are done over and over and over again. We need to do a quick review. We've only been here for three weeks doing focus. What is the one thing that the church is called to do over and over again? Anybody remember? Make disciples. That's all we've talked about this month. The one thing. We learned in week one, when we're focused, we have, we have resolve, right? It's one thing. We're going to get to heaven someday, and God's going to say, I gave you one job. Make disciples. How'd you do? It's the one thing we do over and over and over again. Is it possible that there could be a way to do it more efficiently. Um, let me just read to you quickly Matthew chapter 28. Just to prove to you that we're supposed to make disciples. It's actually in the Bible. Starting in verse 18 it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What do you think they were expecting to come after that statement? I mean, I don't know. It just pops in my head to think about that for a second. What? Jesus is standing in front of you, and he says, listen, all authorities in heaven and on earth, like all authority has been given to me. What are you expecting next? He can make a pony appear, right? A million dollars, make you the king. I mean, he could do anything he wanted to because he's got all authority. And he, and he says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The one thing that we're supposed to do over and over again is to make disciples. If you've been at church any time at all, you know that this is called the Great Commission, right? More than likely, we could call it the Great Omission because it's the one thing that we fail to do is really make disciples. We focus on the one thing that we're called to do. We have resolve. This is what we should do, make disciples. It also makes us reliable, right? We learned that last week. Focus makes us reliable. We talked about receivers always catching the ball because they're always prepared to catch the ball. If I throw the ball, who's prepared to catch it? Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but can he throw it back? That's the question. Kidding, just joking. It's just a joke. <clears throat> So we talked about being reliable, right? So receivers catch the ball because they're focused. They're looking for the ball. And when the ball comes, they catch it. Their job is to do what with the ball? Run. But before they run, they've got to secure it, right? And so last week we talked about three points of contact. This is what coaches will tell you all the time. You got to secure it here, point number one. You got to go against your forearm and into your rib cage. And we read a passage last week that says, look, Christians have three points of contact. You got to have worship in your life. You got to fan the flame. You've got to have the word in your life. You've got to know the truth, right? You've got to love the truth, love the gospel, and then you've got to 
have community, right? Those are the three things that keep the mission secure. So what happens now? We know what the mission is. We know we're supposed to be good at the mission. But what happens when, not that this would happen to any of us here, we get tired? What happens when we get tired? What happens when we get hit so hard? I told you a story a couple weeks ago about when I played football in college for like one spring semester. And my one big play was standing here, not even a part of the play, just as a receiver. And they said, hike. And the dude in front of me just like hit me so hard, like my whole helmet turned. I was looking through the ear hole. <laughs> I was not ready, right? That was my whole football career. Like, coach is like, you did not make the team. <laughs> I'm like, you think, you know. <laughs> what happens in life when we get hit so hard that we just want to give up? It happens. Stuff happens. What, what happens? What do we do? The good news is this. Man, Jesus has a life hack for you. He's got a life hack. I want to show you what it is this morning. Um, before we get there, let me say this. Making disciples not so easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? But it's not so easy. And we know that everybody's not doing it. How do we know that? Because the church in America is probably weaker than it ever has been before. Because people aren't being discipled. So we know that it's not happening on a regular basis. It's hard enough to be a disciple. I, I love, let me just read this to you real quick. Um, John chapter 6, verse 66. Listen to this. John chapter 6, verse 66. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And he says, Verse, we'll start in verse 60. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Because he just said stuff like, drink my blood, eat my flesh, you know, be my disciple. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you here who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Maybe the most evil verse in the Bible. Did you notice it was John 6, 6, 6? So from that point on, Many of his disciples, these are not people that are on the outside trying to figure it out. They've been following Jesus, and from that point on, they're like, I don't know, man, I'm out. Why is it so hard to make disciples? Because it's hard to be a disciple, isn't it? It's hard to be a disciple. And so once we finally nail that, like, okay, I'm in. I'm a disciple. Then you got to make disciples. And you got, I mean, you got to find, we read this last week, you got to find reliable men that you can then hand the ball to, and they can be a disciple. And that's hard. How many of you know finding reliable people tough? And if that wasn't hard enough, that's just making disciples. But we want to make disciples who then make disciples. So you've got to find a reliable man, woman, child, teenager, who can then find another reliable man, woman, child, teenager, and give them the ball. Because that is a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple, or what we like to call a discipler. It's hard to make disciples. It's hard to find reliable men. I'm overwhelmed just thinking about it. 
It's disciplines done over and over so that they'll become habits. It's not real ADHD friendly, right? I mean, how many of you are so ADHD, you're like, you rearrange the furniture every week in your house. I'm so tired of this. I just got to rearrange the furniture. And you don't tell anybody and you turn, you turn the lights off. They trip over stuff. What kind of person are you, right? Being, being a discipler is not very ADHD friendly. It's the, it's the same things over and over and over because they're called disciplines. And we do them until they become habits, until they become second nature. This is why professional athletes don't sweat it when they have to make a, a good shot, a big shot at the critical moment. They practice so many times. They're just like, I'm in the gym, I'm shooting a ball. God knows this. He, he encourages us. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It's a really curious verse that for the longest time has really bothered me. Because I read it, I'm like, I don't quite know what to do with this verse. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul's writing and he says, he says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It, he says this, look, don't grow weary in doing good. Anybody here get tired doing good stuff? I do, right? So I don't quite know what to do with that. And then he goes on and says, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. We never want to give up if it's good, right? We don't want to give up when it's hard and it's bad. So what is God saying through Paul? And here's, this is critical. He said, don't grow weary. He didn't say, don't get weary. That's good news for me when I'm tired of doing good. So there's got to be something that can happen. When we get weary, there's got to be something that can happen that, that stops it so we don't grow weary. And that's the life hack. That's the life hack that Jesus has given to us. I love this. And it doesn't involve a rubber band or a phone. or You, don't, you won't look like an idiot. The question is, what is God's life hack? And before I tell you what it is, let me just show you a couple things from everyday life that you already believe, already accept, so that you'll accept what God's going to say through, through his word. Last week we talked about football a lot, didn't we? Like, I'm holding the ball the whole time. You're like, when's he ever going to throw the ball, right? We talked about football a lot. Hey, you ever watch a football game? They run a play, and when the play's over, the referee blows the whistle, what happens next? A lot of butt slapping, Right? But as they're butt slapping, they're going back to the huddle. Have you noticed this? Do you know that people have gotten smart and they've gotten out stopwatches and they've actually hit the button every time the play starts and hit the button when it stops and they've timed how much football actually gets played during a football game and it's like less than five minutes. Most of the game is in the huddle or on the sidelines. It's play recover play recover and if you're a really highly paid wide receiver and you're a diva you take plays off so even those you don't play right you just go out on this and you're like dude just chill i'll be back <laughs> you don't even try then a lot of a lot of recovery a lot of rest that's what happens in football um how many of you ever get tired how many of you have ever gotten tired in the most inappropriate places and so you had to fight sleep, right? Let me ask you this question. If you're at home and you get tired, what do you do? You get in the bed and go to sleep. Unless you're stubborn, you're like, I'm going to watch the news. 
And then you go to sleep anyway, right? <laughs> See, if you don't, what I want you to get is this, like there's this natural, like we accept this in every part of our lives, that there is, there's a rhythm that God wants us to have. He's created us to have this rhythm, and we accept it in every area of our lives. And if we fight that rhythm, we end up looking like, like this, this lady. Do we have that video? Can we roll that? Just hanging out in the coffee shop. We don't want you to look like that, okay? So this morning is all about helping you even spiritually look like that. So she's fighting this rhythm that God has given to us, which is you get tired, you should sleep. When I was in seminary and we had to read all the time, the best professor I had told us this. Dude, just read and you're going to get tired. And when you do, just put the book on your chest and go to sleep. And when you wake up, read some more. And when you get tired, go to sleep. I did a lot of sleeping, a lot of sleeping, you know. But I felt good. He told me it was okay. So there's a life hack that Jesus is going to give to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. If we're struggling with Galatians 6, 9, he says, don't grow weary in well-doing. A lot of people have said this, well, then the Christians can't be tired. Well, it's not, if you're spiritual, you won't get tired. And I'm like, no, 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 right? Because I'm tired. I get tired. Well, I know from Matthew eleven twenty eight that what Paul was writing was not, you better not ever get tired. He said, don't grow weary. Don't let it continue and continue and continue until you become so bone weary you want to quit. And the reason I know that is because of Matthew eleven twenty eight. Look what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all you who are what? Weary. So it's apparently okay to be weary because Jesus said, if you're weary, Come hang out with me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love how Jesus doesn't look at us when we're tired and say, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> I love that. Instead, he says this. And let me read it to you from the message. I love the way the message puts it. It says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Did you catch that word rhythm? There, there's, a, there's a rhythm that God wants us to have. And focus allows for rhythm. Some of you are real type A. I'm, I'm not. Some of you are. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way that you're made. I mean, you can be annoying, but it's all good. But you're, so, so this month we're, we're, we're doing focus, right? And so you're coming on Sundays. We're talking about focusing on making disciples and you're doing the focus devotions. You know, you've got, you've texted it and you're getting the text messages or you're getting the emails and you're doing that every day. And you're like, I'm going to be the best disciple maker ever. I've got a plan. I've got a checklist. I'm, I'm practicing in my room in front of the mirror. I'm going to nail this thing. And I'm going to be the most focused person there is in the church. And I'm never going to stop. That's kind of how you're wired. And so we hear Jesus say things like, I'll show you how to take a real rest. And you hear me say, well, focus. Yeah, it gives us resolve. Absolutely. And it makes us reliable, no doubt about it. But focus also allows us rhythm. 
And I say that, and you're like, do what? I, that's not focus. That's taking your eyes off of something. You can't take your eyes off of something if you're going to be focused on it. And what I'm saying to you is when we're focused on making disciples the way that God intends us to make disciples, it allows us to find rhythm in our lives. And I love that. Here's some of the places that we see rhythm. You see rhythm in a heartbeat, don't you? If you're in the medical field, you know this. If a, if a heartbeat is irregular, the doctor doesn't go, you're so unique, that's awesome. What does he say? Paddles. You know, like, we're going to fix that, right? We, that, needs to, that needs to be regular. Um, speaking of regular, if you're not regular, there's medicine for that too. Right? Man, I haven't really been to the bathroom really well in a week now. We don't go, you're awesome. Like, dude, take this pill, right? Fix that somewhere else in your own home. Um, it's summertime. People go to the beach, right? How many of you just, if you had to choose beach or mountains, you're picking the beach, even now with sharks. You're picking the beach every single time. I'm with you, but I went to the mountains because I didn't want to die. Um, the beach. Rhythm at the beach. There's low tide. There's high tide. Waves come in. Waves go. It's all rhythm. Do you see this? The seasons. There's four of them. Just want to remind you, in North Carolina, there's four seasons. I don't think we actually have a winter, but there is actually this thing called winter. There are four seasons, and they come every year at the same time on the calendar. Rhythm. Music. How many of you like music? Music's got rhythm, right? It should. And if it doesn't, turn it off. You know music has rhythm when you find yourself patting your foot to it, right? Like, um, I was up in Gatlinburg, and I am not, and please don't throw things at me, I am not banjo-picking that kind of music at all. I mean, it's just not me. I'm not, I mean, it's, it's good music, but I'm just, that's not me, right? And I'm standing outside, I'm watching these four guys, and they're like, like you know, they got like instruments I can't even name, and, and they're hillbillies, and they're playing, and I'm just in, I'm just like, getting down. I'm like a white, I'm a white guy trying to get funky to banjos, right? Because it was good, and he was just like, you know, just, he's not even moving. He's just, and I'm just, in, I'm, a, I'm, air, I'm air banjoing with him. You know, just, this is good stuff, you know, you know, because it had rhythm. It was, it was, I had a friend who used to tell me, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me what kind of music you play, just make it easy to dance to, Right? And when music's got rhythm, it's easy to dance to. And you know it's good music when the band is tight and they've got rhythm because people start grabbing people and wanting to dance. Like they might grab strangers and want to dance because there's rhythm. It's easy to follow. Listen, listen to, to God's rhythm in Ecclesiastes. I've got to find it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. This is the rhythm of God. There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain. The time to refrain is before you graduate high school, just so you know. No embracing before then. A time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, 
a time for war and a time for peace. There is rhythm in God. He's calling us to that. If we're ever going to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples, if we're ever going to do that over the long haul, we have got to find a rhythm for the mission. We've got to. Here's, you can just jot these verses down. Here's a few reasons why we need rhythm. It allows us to learn from Jesus. We already read this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, if you're weary, come to me, and don't just come to me, but learn from me. I love that. Like, if you're really tired today, you qualify to learn from Jesus. Isn't that great news? If we have rhythm in our lives, we're, we're able to learn from Jesus. It allows us to refuel. The word rest in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, this is what it literally means. I won't impress you with the Greek, but I know what it means. Here's what it means. To cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength. That's what happens when we rest. When Jesus calls us to rest, he's saying, hey, come and just hit the pause button for a second so you can recover your strength to continue. It allows us to work better. You can, Read it on your own time, Exodus 23, 12. God said on the seventh day they were supposed to rest so that the donkeys and the workers could be refreshed. This one's going to be, <laughs> this is a great one. Let me just read it to you. Jesus is talking in, in Mark. Mark chapter 6, 31 and 32. These are the kind of things that Jesus did that just make, they boggle my mind. They're so un-American. Matthew, Mark chapter 6, starting verse 30, says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that had been done and taught, all that they had done and taught. Verse 31, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This is Jesus, right? Like, Jesus came into the earth for one reason, to seek and save the lost, and we just read a verse where there were so many lost people around Jesus that he turned to his disciples and said, quick, let's go out the back door and find a quiet place and get something to eat and get some rest. Jesus said, look, it's never going to end. How many of you have learned at your job that if you stay until midnight working at your job and then you go home and sleep for three hours and go back at four in the morning, there's still work to be done. Have you noticed this? It never stops. That's what Jesus is saying here. Like, it's never going to end. There's always going to be people that need Jesus. It's never going to end. You've got to find rhythm in that. You've got to find the ability to say, hold up. I'm going to go get some rest so that I can come back ready. Even Jesus did that. Reasons why we should find rhythm. Because God did. Genesis chapter 2. Verses 2 and 3, after he'd created all the earth, six days, God said, I'm done. And he created the seventh day to rest. Because Jesus did. We just read it here. You can also read it in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And the very fact, and this is what we do, the very fact that we try to muscle through weariness reveals the idolatry of our own pride, doesn't it? Well, I'm going to muscle through this. I'm not going to. And we don't realize it, but we look just like that girl in the coffee shop. People are like, dude, just take a nap. 
Go on vacation. You look silly. We try to muscle through it. The rhythm of rest from our labor reminds us that He is God. Psalm 46.10, one of my favorite verses says, Be still and know that I'm God. You know what it doesn't say? Work hard and know that I am God. It says, be still and know that I'm God. There's a, there's a rhythm. There's a rhythm of, of making disciples. There's a rhythm in focus. It says that in our stillness, our rest, we know that he's God. And, and here's why we're just about done. Psalm 127. Let me just read this to you real quick. Um, if, if you've been looking for a life verse and you don't have one yet, I'm fixing to give you your life verse, especially parents of young children. Okay, here we go. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Verse 2, this is your life verse. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. There's your life verse. Young parents are like, that's my promise. I'm claiming it right now. Listen, this is the part I, will, I, will hope, I hope I get this across to you, okay? He calls us to rest because while we're resting, guess who's working? Starts with G and ends with D and has an O in the middle. Guess who's working? God. He calls us to rest because while we're resting, He's working. See, if we never took a break, we just kept building, just kept swinging a hammer, swinging a hammer, then when that house was built, we would say what? I built a house! But because we, God's like got this shift going, like, hey, you work the first shift, and then you take a, you take a nap, and, and I'll work while you're sleeping. Then when we wake up and go, how'd that house get there? <laughs> the Lord built the house, right? If we're always watching and guarding the city, then when we protect it, we go, I saved the city. Me. I'm amazing. I had to prop my eyes open because I'm so tired. But I saved the city. But God's like, hey, here, you take the first watch. Are you, are you weary? Are you tired? Go get a rest. And while we're resting, he's working. And then we wake up and go, like, there was a, there was a war? We're okay? Who saved the city? God. And then, okay, it could be a little bit inappropriate, but I'm going to go there. Along the same theme, he wraps up that whole psalm talking about how kids are a heritage from the Lord. Um, little biology lesson for you. Dads and wives, dads, I mean, husbands and wives, they, they have a part to play, don't they, in having a baby? Are you with me? <laughs> You're like, where is he going with this? I've had a part to play in three children. And even though I had a part to play in it, when my kids were born, I found myself looking at them going, looking at them going how did that happen? And people are like, people that are smart butts, they're like, dude, let me tell you how it happened. There's a bird in the beat. <laughs> I was like, dude, shut up. I know how it happened. I mean, I get that, right? But how did it happen? Because the Lord gives the heritage. A lot of you, like we're in this baby boom, you're holding these newborns, and you're like, I mean, I love my wife and all, but there's no way we pulled that off. It's a gift from God. See, he's like, yeah, you thought you were doing that, but for nine months, dude, while you were like rubbing her feet, I was working. You did your part, wasn't long, but I had nine months. 
And I was crafting and knitting a life. And here you go. And that's why people hold babies like this, not like this. Wee! Because we know there's something holy here. It's a gift from God. He's like, I did that. Me, God, Jehovah, I did that. Rhythm. Rhythm. It means that not working all the time gives God the margin to do what only he can. I, I know this is, this is hard to wrap your brain around because we're hardworking Americans, okay? We've misunderstood the resting thing. So here's the stuff we do. We rest from work. God wants us to rest for work. See, we, I need a break from work. And he's like, no, you need to take a break so you can work. It's a whole different mindset. We, we rest to take a break from God. I know this is hard. I know it's going to make some of you mad. I'm just going to go there, okay? Like, dude, I need a break. I need a break. I need a break from Jesus. I just can't do this anymore. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this. I'm going to, I've already checked with you guys, okay with him. I'm going to take like a whole week, and I'm going to just go like do whatever I want for a week because I just need a break. See, we break from God. God wants us to take a break with him. 2 Timothy 4.2. He wants us to take, take a break with him. He says, look, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. There's not like a season of preaching and being close to Jesus and then like now I have my like worldly season where I do whatever I want because he'll forgive me anyway. That's not what this is about. We rest with him. I, I, learned, um, I learned something this week on my vacation. I have, I don't know if you can say the word crappy in a service, but I just did. I have a horrible phone. Like it's, it's um, I love Apple products, but this is an Apple if you're watching. Feel free to fix this. Um, I, I've got an Apple iPhone 4S. I don't even know what 4S stands for. It's terrible. Um, so what I've learned is this, and, and people that are around me during the week, they've come, to, they've come to love that I will have like this portable charger in my pocket. <laughs> like I'm like a, the dude with oxygen, right? I'm like walking around. I just got my portable battery, you know. Um, I got this thing, I'm this portable charger, and it's got a little cord that hooks right here because I don't know what it is about my 4S, but like it'll go from fully charged to off. Like four or five times a day. And I know what you're saying. There's an easy fix for that, Paul. I got a life hack, get a new phone. Oh, whatever. You know, it's, it's all good. Um, I probably should, but not right now because the newer phones come out later. So what I learned is in the mountains, we went, we went hiking in the Smoky Mountains. And we went, um, I was probably about four hours total of hiking. And so the whole time we're hiking, I'm pulling my phone out, right? And I'm, like, taking pictures, which is really funny because you're, like, in nature, but you got technology. So you're taking all these pictures, and you're snapping, and I'm shooting video. I'm using my phone almost the entire time. And at the end of four hours, guess how much I had on my phone? I had gone from 100% to 91%. In four hours, I only lost 9% of my battery. I was like, snap, this is a sign from God that I should move to the mountains, Right? And then I noticed something. I noticed that up, up in the upper left-hand corner where it usually tells me that I'm on AT&T's network, I had no service. And it dawned on me, if we'll unplug every now and then, it's amazing how much longer we could last. 
It's amazing the drain that serving puts on a person. And it sounds so unchristian to say, I just need some no service right now. But that's what actually extends your life. And Jesus understood that. He put that in to this whole rhythm of making disciples. You know, I believe that God wants us to disciple the people that are hardest to reach. And if we're going to disciple people that are hard to reach, you know what we need to do? We need to have a, you ever heard that phrase, it takes a village to raise a child? We need like the whole church to disciple people, don't we? Because I believe that God wants us to be reaching people. They're so far from God. They're so, it takes so long to reach them that we almost need to go. um, So like they were with us last session of community groups and this session they're going to, could they be with you? I mean, like all of us go through that. Like it takes a lot of people to serve. You hear us say this all the time, worship one, serve one. Worship one, serve one. Why do we do that? Because you've got to be able to go, you know what? No service. I just need to stay connected with God. I just need to have my battery not running down. I need to remember why I do what I do. It's called rhythm. It's huge. God's life hack is that we would simply give up and allow Him to work through us. Every ministry job I've ever had, the most growth we've ever experienced was when I finally went, you know what, God? I'm done. And God was like, it's about stinking time. It's about time that you took your hands off of what I'm trying to do and let me work. And this is your big idea today. I hope it makes sense to you. I found out that sometimes God does His best work when we rest from ours. God does His best work when we rest from ours. And if we never rest from the work we're doing, we never give God the chance to do anything for us. God's life hack is that we would not add discipling to our schedule, but we would include it in our routine. Um, let me just finish with this. If you can just throw that slide up there, that routine. How many of you see that word and you're like, God, I hate routine. I hate routine. I, you know, I can't, I, it's just so boring. Routine is so boring. But listen, routine is a good thing. You've been breathing the entire time I've been talking to you, right? And if you had just said, I breathe a thing. I'm sick of it. I see something new. <gasps> It would have changed the service dramatically, wouldn't it? Because about four and a half minutes into it, like, you know, we'd really have medics come in to save you because you'd, you'd fall over and die. Routines aren't a bad thing. What happens is routines turn into ruts. Don't, and I'm going to just show you real quickly. Don't do it. Yeah, I'm going to show you real quickly how a routine turns into a rut. We're called, we're called to do one thing, aren't we? What's the one thing we're called to do? What's the one thing we're called to do? Make disciples. That's it. So everything we do, what did Jesus say? I'm sending you, and as you go, wherever you go, whatever you do as you're going, make disciples. Don't add it to your list. There's nothing to do. But as you go, wherever you go, wherever, whenever you go, make disciples. you got a 9-to-5 job, make disciples at your 9-to-5 job. With the people that you already hang out with, don't make another schedule. Just talk to them. Make disciples. When we remove the one from the routine, pull that out. We're left with a really weird word. Ready? We remove the one from the routine. Then we're left on our own to do it in our own power. And so we try harder and we work harder and we try to do a better job. We say, I promise God, I'm going to read my Bible. 
And eventually what happens? You don't want to admit it, but I watch it all the time. The train wreck of our lives is that we remove the one God, the one mission from our routine, and we are left to power on our own. And eventually I get tired and drop out, and that's how a routine turns into a rut. Some of you are in a rut, and you think the rut is the problem, but it's not. It's you. It's the fact that you've removed the whole purpose from your life, from your life. Focusing on making disciples allows us rhythm to figure out how to do this every day. To not go, oh God, another thing, but instead, God, where I am, what I'm already doing, how can I include this in my life? And it brings God into your routine. You're a runner. You find yourself running with, watch this, runners. And as you're running with runners, you end up naturally having conversations with runners. And if you're a runner like me, they all focus around God because you could die at any moment. Oh, Jesus. Like, dude, why do you keep calling out to Jesus? I just want to be near him when I die, right? You like to play music? You probably know musicians that don't know Jesus, but they love music, and you play music with them, right? I know there's a group going to go ride some Harleys I heard today. Is that right? Are we riding Harleys? I'm not riding a Harley. I don't have a Harley, right? There's some people that's going to go hang out and ride Harleys. Like, they're just going to do that together because they like to ride Harleys. It's just about this rhythm of life, just hanging out with people, loving them, showing them Jesus in what you do. It's not hard. It's only hard if we take the routine of our life and remove the one mission from it. And then we find ourselves just beat up, bitter, and weary. And then we're the people that say, i got to get a vacation. And you go on your vacation, and you come back, and a week back, people are like, how are you doing? I need another vacation. No, you need to remember Jesus in your life. You need a routine. You need to bring him into your routine. Because when you bring him into your routine, you end up having him with you on vacation. I got a, a text uh, earlier this morning. Anya's down in Lima. She's supposed to be back today. And her, her message was, uh, still in Lima. Don't know what's happening, but we didn't get on the flight. They put us up in a hotel. First thing I thought, there's somebody in Lima at that hotel that you're supposed to talk to. Like, we don't get jacked up because our routine gets messed up. We just start going, where is God in the routine? Who am I supposed to talk to at this hotel? Man, I want to send you out here this morning living life like that. Focused on making disciples, yes. But knowing that even in that focus, you're allowed to have rhythm in your life. You're allowed to have Jesus in your routine. You don't have to fix, find something else to do. Add something else to your plate. Just bring him into what you're already doing. And I can guarantee you this. You bring Jesus into your routine, you'll never find yourself in a rut. Never. Because his presence changes Everything.